Welcome back to another episode of the Quantip Cast. I'm your host, Ryan Kier, and in this episode, we're going to be looking at the area of predicting recessions, international shipping stocks as a whole, and the truth about the yield curve. This particular episode is going to be split into two parts, the first of which, which will be discussed in today's episode, looks at the area of shipping stocks. Some companies will also be discussed, including the likes of Hapag Lloyd and Maersk. We'll be diving deep into the company's financials as of the 2019 full year reports, and we're also going to be discussing some particular elements that can influence some trading ideas for these stocks and in the next part which will come out probably at some point over the next couple of days we'll be looking at how to predict a recession but in order to analyze one particular way we're going to have to look at the idea or more so the concept of the yield curve and then once we understand that we'll try and see whether it's a reliable tool using current events and also past data. So, as we see another volatility-packed week come to an end, we start looking across indexes, the S&P 500 holding above its $2,800 level of support, around 2819 at the moment. If we look at the FTSE 100, the FTSE 100 is holding above £58 a contract, actually up 1.43% today, and this has kind of been in a chop along with most other indexes that you can look at. To be completely honest, I got caught out on the chop myself too. I was short BT Group at 99.44, and I expected it to hold sub 100. The index is reversed. The chop continued. I thought it was over, and I got stopped out at around 102-ish. I had my stop loss in. I didn't expect it to get hit. I got stopped out. That was really how it played out. The index is reversed. I didn't expect that reversal. Now, if I look today, less than 24 hours after that trade getting cut out on a loss, the interesting thing is BT went up something like 6-7% and spiked all the way at highs of 112 pence a share. So I would have lost maybe four, five, six times as much as I did before, which to me breached a loss limit by two times. So having risk management in our investment practices is very important. Let's think about it. Assume you bought into shares of a company at, I don't know, £10 a share, and their shares went to £5 a share. You were down 50% and you had no more capital to buy into it, which is obviously a bad strategy, but say that would be a hypothetical situation, right? And you don't sell because you're down 50%. Your strategy is, I'm not going to sell until I'm in the money. What if that company went bust a year later? you would go through all that strain, all that mental torture to simply prove that you're right. When you know you're wrong, you just don't want to accept it. That's a big problem when we start trading, when we start investing, trying to generate some returns. Sometimes you have to have these risk limits and once they're breached, close your position. So before we look at shipping stocks, the example I used for this whole discipline of risk management was BT. I shorted at 99.44 and I got stopped at around 102 pence a share. And that was intraday. I used a bit of leverage, so I did lose quite a fair bit, considering that was more than the day's volatility than I'd expected. I thought the trade was going to go my way. But the fact of the matter is that it didn't. I was wrong, and I need to remind myself that I was wrong. But with the trade, if I held it overnight, got arrogant, and said, no, I'm not going to get rid of this short until I'm in the money, then today I would have been seeing a loss maybe four to six times over 
what I was expecting to lose worst case on BT. Now this means we need to be disciplined. Don't get emotionally attached to a stock. Don't stick to something purely because you're down and you won't get out until you make money. The truth is that you might actually never make money on that position and you could ride that position to a total wipeout. We don't want this to happen. The reason why I wanted to dedicate a part of this podcast to this idea of risk management is that a lot of us make these mistakes time and time again and we will not admit we're wrong. We're afraid of it. It seems that some of us in the investing community are afraid within of being subject to public scrutiny just because we make a mistake. Whether you're trading or you're investing or you're simply looking as a way to allocate some of your funds to some growing markets. Being wrong is normal. It's all part of the process. We learn. When I started trading, I made some stupid mistakes. I was probably risking my whole account on trades. When they went extremely sour, I would be the one feeling extremely nauseated and being upset with myself. What does that do? We have to learn from our mistakes. Once we accept that we are wrong and focus on improving our processes, that's when we'll start to see the returns pouring in. So for the remainder of this episode, we're going to be looking at two shipping companies. One being Habag Lloyd and the second being Maersk. Just a quick note before anybody gets confused when looking at the live valuation versus what we're talking about right now. In this episode, all valuations are taken as of the 8th of May 2020. The exact time where they were all updated was 3.24pm British summertime. So Hapag Lloyd is a German international shipping company, one of the top 10 shipping liners worldwide. Maersk happens to be one of the largest 10 shipping liners worldwide as well, albeit it is a Danish company. It does anything from inland freight to shipping associated services like supply chain management and delivery. We're going to start by looking at the financials of Maersk purely because, purely because they seem to be quite a fairly valued company. That of course is accounting for the current risk from the global disruption as a result of COVID-19, the coronavirus, that at the moment is a huge worry for international businesses, especially those involved in the shipping sector. Further from this, Maersk actually released a statement expecting lower international trade volumes with regards to shipping containers in specific. And they've got an interesting way of measuring their sales of these units. They've got TEUs, which are called 20-foot units, and then you've got FEUs, which are 40-foot units, and there are different specifications within as well. But what's important to know is that on the whole, shipping container volumes are expected to be much lower than expected, definitely as a result of disruptions to the supply chain, but also as a result of lower demand. Why? Businesses at the moment, a lot of them worldwide in some countries that are still under lockdown, are not operating their usual services. And because of this, they can't afford to continue to order certain supplies, supplies that otherwise would have been useful to a continuous level of demand. We're also going to use US dollars as a common currency to compare the valuations, although that may not make sense in the first place. The truth is, when you think about the US dollar, it is the most universally used currency, and most nations have it as a reserve. So I assume a lot of their trade would be done under this denomination. So the market cap for Maersk equates to roughly $18.3 billion. And using their recent profit figure for 2019, 
we can put them in a price to earnings ratio of roughly 33.5. So that means they made a profit in dollar terms. We had to convert this from the original figure of, I believe, Danish kroner. And we got $546 million for a profit. And that was for the whole of 2019 from continuing operations. That was the most important figure for us. A price to earnings ratio of 33.5, if you look across other companies on that top 10 list of shipping liners, is fairly normal. That's also considering the fact that Maersk's shares are actually quite a bit off versus their level pre-coronavirus crisis. If we think about liquidity relative to their market cap, they've got cash of just under $5 billion. And that's up considering higher borrowings from 2018 to 2020 and that took them up from their 2018 cash figure of just under $3 billion. So to be roughly $2 billion higher in cash and bank equivalents is a good sign for a company that could be losing up to 50% of its revenues, at least in the first quarter of 2020. They're also quite a kingpin when it comes to revenue. Quite tight margins though, net profit margins, as we mentioned, 500 $46 million over a revenue of $38.8 billion isn't that high. In fact, it equates to roughly 1.5% of a net profit margin. For this kind of industry, that means if you have a huge hit on your revenues with your existing costs, you're likely going to make a loss. So when looking at Maersk as a whole, it doesn't seem to be the most attractive of investment opportunities. Although once the COVID crisis is over, it seems to be one that you would look to maybe part some funds, divest some funds in, because this kind of business will always have a demand and it's very difficult to replicate the existing logistical expertise of these companies and the high startup costs that are affiliated with these projects. But the interesting thing to consider with Maersk is it has an institutional holding of roughly 50%. If you look across a lot of companies in the sector, this high percentage of its float being in institutional hands is not a rare occurrence, leading us on to Hapag Lloyd. This company, in comparison to Maersk, has a 96% institutional shareholding figure. You've got large shareholders, the likes of the Saudi Public Investment Fund with 10.2%. You've got Qatar Holdings Germany with almost 15% of a holding. Essentially, all of these big holders have been sticky. They haven't been selling, they've only been accumulating. Looking at some of the institutional investors, I've only seen additions, which to me shows that there's a very tight free float. In fact, at the end of 2019, Hapag Lloyd's free float was under 4%. After an additional buy from another institutional shareholder, it went to 3.6%. That is very tight. So if there's any good news or some change in sentiment, when the algorithms start buying, this kind of share can only pop and literally that's what it did. Now, if you're not familiar with Hapag Lloyd, Hapag Lloyd shares have more than doubled over the past couple of months and there isn't really a clear reason why. When the May futures pricing contracts for WTI crude went negative, a lot of algorithms shifted funds to tankers. You're probably asking yourself right now, how does that even make sense? Well, Shipping companies sometimes have exposures to tankers. These tankers are used to store oil. When the contract's pricing for WTI May futures, the ones that expired in May, the end of May, had a negative pricing structure at the point of expiry, when the contract rolled over, anybody holding that would be paid to hold the contract, which essentially means that if you have the ability to physically store it, 
you would be able to get paid $40 a barrel, which is crazy. It, it doesn't make sense to most people's logic, but it actually happened. It's one of those unorthodox events that you don't expect happening, but they happen. The problem is, after Hapagloid shares more than doubled as a result of this, the company came out and said that we don't intend to store oil. We don't have the capability to do so. And the CEO actually was quoted saying, I have no idea why the shares have risen by more than 100% in recent weeks. The shares didn't react to that statement. Well, they did fall 10%, but those losses were recovered by the end of the day. And the shares went to make new all-time highs at around 182 euros a share. Let's compare the market cap. Before this rise, Hapagloid had a price to earnings ratio about the same of a mask right now, roughly 33 to 34, depending on how you'd measure it. But with the market cap now, that uh, price to earnings ratio is now almost 70. The market cap is roughly $30 billion from the date we measured. And actually at the current date, the market cap is almost $35 billion. So if we're Talking about a comparison, it's almost double the valuation of Matersk, and Hapagloid has always been smaller than Matersk, which is confusing. The cash and cash equivalents are literally almost, in fact, a little bit more than a tenth of what Matersk has. In 2019, the cash balances for Hapagloid equated to roughly $554 million. And in 2018, this figure was higher. So despite Matersk having an appreciation in the value of its cash, Hapagloid has actually lowered its cash balances in comparison to the year before. Hapagloid saw a 2019 profit of roughly $404 million on a revenue of $13.65 billion. So once again, the PE is almost 70, maybe even more considering the current rise in the price today. It's made a new all-time high. This is as of the 15th of May, 2020. And this float issue seems to be one of the reasons why the shares haven't fallen back down and they may continue to rise even higher in line with index movement. If the indexes break out of this current chop, Hapagloid shares could move even higher. If futures go negative again, you'd be surprised algorithms aren't that smart sometimes and they could make the same mistake. So here's an idea. Why not wait until this rise for Hapagloid gets extremely exhausted and then take a positional play on the expectations that this half year of earnings will be really weak. Now, looking at the current share price, it's 182 euros. That is about to break all-time highs and it could go much higher. But once this rise gets exhausted, say in the low 200s or so, 200 euros, 230 euros, a positional play on a reversion to the fair value, which to be honest is less than whatever Matersk is, to say the least. Its valuation could be half of what it is now. So a trade from, say, 230 euros, some crazy number like that, would then get you potentially 50% on a positional play. This would be a long-term position, 20 to 60 days, maybe 100 or so. But uh, the risk-reward is quite decent. You could probably risk about 20% and make potentially 50%. Hapagloid can't store oil, so there's no real reason for them rising, except for the fact that the float is super tight. Sooner or later, the investors are going to be strapped for cash, whether that's the Saudi Public Investment Fund, where there's super huge deficits in Saudi Arabia, or Qatar having lower revenues from oil, the same as Saudi, or just the other institutional shareholders getting tired 
to the point where they need liquidity to, to cover margin calls or, or buy cheaper positions elsewhere. Those that are more fairly valued than this current position, assuming they're long. That could be possible. But here's the thing, if you disagree with this idea, I think that Hapag Lloyd is actually fairly priced, if not still cheap, and even in those levels, say if it goes to 230 euros or so a share, if it's still cheap, then you may want to go long Matersk on a reversion to a fairer value. Maybe Matersk is cheap because Hapag Lloyd is double the valuation, if not more. Matersk could make 50% for an investor if the algorithm switched to go long these areas. Is this a defensive industry? I wouldn't say so. At the moment, it's an industry that is at risk of, say, a second wave of shutdowns. If that happens, then the entire global trade industry, especially for shipping, is at risk and could stand to suffer more than a lot of other industries, such as online retail. For example, we talked in the last episode of companies like ASOS and Boohoo that are absolutely killing it. That's from relative share price performance versus their peers. Nevertheless, I hope that this episode will remind us of the importance of risk management. Even when we may be wrong, we have to admit it and take adequate measures to prevent ourselves from losing much more. For example, with me today, I mentioned with BT, I took a loss yesterday of roughly 2%. I used a fair bit of margin, so I had quite a bit of capital and risk, but I cut that position because it went against me. If I held today overnight, I would have lost a lot more money than I would have initially planned for. And this is an example that many of us have probably experienced. And if you haven't experienced, I hope that you can use this example to help you progress your trading journey or maybe just help you manage your risk. By looking at the German shipping company Hapag Lloyd and the Dutch shipping company by the name of Maersk, I hope that we can start getting some ideas out of COVID right now, some COVID trade ideas to make sure that whether the market move is up or down, we can still continue to make consistent investment returns. I've been your host, Ryan Keir from quantumresearch.co.uk. If you want to follow me on Twitter and stay up to date with regular investment stuffs, then tweet me at RyanKia2. That's R-Y-A-N-K-I-A-2 in number format. I wish you all a wonderful weekend full of health, wealth, happiness, and all of the good stuff. Until next time.